Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapter. Here you will find practical tips for your agricultural classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from Oklahoma State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit our webpage at owlpelletsforag.wordpress.com. That's owlpelletsforag, all one word, .wordpress.com. This week, the Owl Pellets crew talks with Dr. Aaron McKim. Aaron is an assistant professor at Michigan State University. Our topic today is self-efficacy. What is it? Do I want it? Or should I have been vaccinated against that as a kid? Aaron gives us the answers to all these questions and tips how teachers can increase our confidence in the classroom. This is another great episode. I know you will find one or two things that you can use in your classroom tomorrow. All right, Aaron McKim, welcome to Owl Pellets. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we are excited to be here talking with you about self-efficacy. That is like a $5 word. Explain it to this Floridian. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good way to phrase self-efficacy. It's one of those words that we use in research that seems pretty um, big and scary, but actually is not, uh, not, so, uh, not so scary once we get to talking about it. Self-efficacy is essentially an individual's confidence and if they can do a particular action. So uh, somebody who has high self-efficacy is going to uh, be very confident that they can go out and teach or skydive or whatever it may be, and somebody with low self-efficacy is going to have a not as much confidence that they can do those particular things. So wait, does that mean I can have different levels of self-efficacy in different things? Because, I mean, personally, my ability to skydive is way higher than my ability to teach. <laughs> Yeah, so self-efficacy um, is, is an interesting concept in that it can range in kind of the, the breadth that it covers. So, for example, there is a self-efficacy, self-efficacy scale for an individual's confidence in their success for life. And there's very specific, specific self-efficacies like how um, efficacious or how confident are you that you can manage a classroom as a teacher. So it ranges in the breadth, and then your, your level of self-efficacy would differ um, based on what the specific task was. So when we're talking about self-efficacy for teachers, wh- why do we care? What, why does it matter? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and uh, I always think about self-efficacy, and I say it's important for a teacher, no matter if you're an early career teacher, a student teacher, or somebody who's late in your career. Um, for those early career teachers, they can answer, you know, I want to I be better. I don't feel like I'm being successful in the classroom. And, and how can I increase my confidence um, to be better in the classroom. And so we, we focus on self-efficacy there. And for those later career teachers, you know, we want them to go from good to great. We want them to increase their confidence in, in being a really exceptional teacher and maybe even picking up new teaching skills like uh, how do I uh, use inquiry-based teaching or how do I increase my confidence in teaching drones, for example. So it's, it's a concept that's important across the different domains of teaching and different levels of experiences of teachers. But kind of going off of Kate's question there, 
can I have different levels of confidence based on different topics or things I do as a teacher? Can I like have more confidence in teaching animal science than I can plant science or working with my FFA chapter than I can working with science fair projects or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So in the different, um, within agricultural education, there's been a variety of different areas studied. And what my research um, looked at was five different areas, um, one being uh, teaching, instructional strategies, um, one being classroom management, one being leadership, uh, teaching science, and teaching math. Uh, so, and, I, and what we found was teachers were really confident in their instructional strategies, like can they get in front of the class and teach a lesson? And they weren't so confident in their abilities to teach math within agriculture. So there's a, a lot of discrepancy even within agricultural education with regards to self-efficacy. Does it matter though? I mean, if I'm more self-efficacious, does it? What does that do for me as a teacher or for my students? Mm. Yeah. So if you're if you're if you think about it, and you're really confident in, for example, your ability to teach science within agricultural education. What we know is that you're going to be more likely to actually teach science within agricultural education. Whereas if you think about teaching science and you, you question your abilities and you have very low self-efficacy, you're probably not even going to try it. And when you don't try any, uh, when you don't try to teach science, you're not going to get better at it. You're not going to offer your students those learning experiences. And so really, you kind of plateau as a teacher when you, when you have that lower level of self-efficacy and you don't have the willingness to try to build your self-efficacy. You know, it, it makes me think when I was when I was in my first and second year teaching, there were definitely, you know, I'm just not good at fill in the blank. And so I know I had a teacher that would talk to me often about not accepting that voice. And so as a teacher, that those are the times I doubted staying in the profession. Um, talk to me a little bit about perhaps if I was in that situation again, you know, this idea of growth mindset and, you know, trying to, how do I handle those times when I say, you know, I'm just really not good at fill in the blank for whatever that might be. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really um, important point in self-efficacy is that a lot of times we as teachers, especially as we get more advanced in our careers, we don't want to be, we don't want to fail. And so we try something new, uh, we try a new teaching strategy, it doesn't work. And we'll say, well, I tried that. It didn't work, so I'm not going to try it again. I'm not going to use it in my classroom. And I think we need to remind ourselves that the first time we do anything, we're going to really, really stink at it, right? Remember the first time you tied your shoes. It was terrible. And now we're pretty good at it. And so as teachers, it's that, it's that <laughs> yeah, depending, yeah. Um, as teachers, it's that, it's that memory of, of thinking, anytime I try something new, um, it's not going to go perfect. And so I need to implement a plan where I can grow my confidence in a particular area. So after I try, for example, teaching drone technology within my class, I know it's not going to go perfect my first, the first time. So I may go and observe somebody else teaching drones to build my confidence. I may try, it, uh, try teaching it to a smaller group of students so that I can you know, build my confidence in teaching that smaller group before I get in front of a whole class. Or I may call a mentor teacher who's, who you know is really, really good at that skill and ask them how they do it and get advice from them so you can become more confident in your ability to teach drones or teach science or whatever it is um, within your classroom. So Aaron, if I am, so 
I don't know, think, think about this, this scenario for a second. Um, I used to work at the Kentucky Horse Park, and I had um, people that would come up and say they would they would get on a horse to take a picture, and they would say, "Oh, I totally know what I'm doing, right? High self-efficacy." And then they would go to the wrong side of the horse, and they would try to get on the horse and end up like on its neck or its butt or underneath it, and I would just roll my eyes because anytime t someone told me that they were really good at it, I'd be like, "Yeah, sure you are." And then I'd help mm -hmm. them more because that self-efficacy <laughs> that they expressed indicated to me you're not going to be very good at this because you don't even know you're bad at it. So mm -hmm. how do teachers know accurately what their level of self-efficacy is and how can they how can they gauge that for themselves to know where am I at and how can I change that? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So um, in self-efficacy, there's there's specific things that build an individual self-efficacy. And one of those things that builds an individual's confidence in their abilities to teach is what we call vicarious experiences, which is watching somebody else do a particular task. The reason that's so important is, first, it, it gives us a roadmap for how they were successful, and if they can do it, then I could probably try it too, or I can build in my own confidence. But it also gives us a value judgment of how well we're doing something. So if I'm a teacher and, and you ask me, you know, are you really confident in teaching um, uh, welding, for example. Well, I'm going to think I'm really confident, but when I go and watch somebody else do it, that'll give me a judgment of how, how do I stack up against that teacher? How do I stack up against that really expert teacher at welding? Um, and it gives me more of a, of a, a realistic interpretation of my self-efficacy. The other point with this is uh, kind of what Marshall was talking about, that self-efficacy is one uh, sliver of the, of the pie that is good teaching, and it requires self-awareness. And that means being a reflective practitioner. And after you teach something, think about, take the time to pause and reflect on what went really well. Um, give your students a chance to give you feedback on a particular lesson or thing that you're doing, and then dissect and, and digest that feedback. Um, and then have your administrator come and observe you, and have the, the teacher who's been teaching for 30 years um, come over and observe your teaching. Um, so it's all part of a, of a package deal on how we can become better teachers um, but that aspect of being overconfident is certainly there and something as teachers, we need to be okay with recognizing this isn't a strength of ours if we're, if we're doing something new and just go through and chart a plan for how we can become better in that particular skill that we want to become better at. Well, you know, Aaron, sometimes I think, you know, with our shortage of ag teachers, I mean, we think about, I taught science for a bit too. And I could really figure out my one class. I could figure out biology in that skill set. But an ag teacher is having to do biology, chemistry, ag, production, forestry, entomology. I mean, it just seems a bit overwhelming sometimes. So, you know, how would you maybe coach a teacher that may be considering leaving the profession, you know, when we look at needing teachers so bad? How do we address that? Yeah. So for, what I would tell them is don't leave. Uh, stick around. Because <laughs> what we know about self-efficacy is the way that you build self-efficacy is by continuing to persist in the task. So try it. Um, so for example, when I was a new teacher, I would teach five lessons and I would probably, if I were, my batting average was about 20%. Like one of the five was really good. The other four were terrible. Right? And so what I would do at the end of the, uh, end of the week is I would reflect and I would say, Let's focus on that, that one lesson that was really good and figure out why it was really good. And how can I take those practices that I'm using as a teacher 
and implement them into the courses. Um, so I was really good at teaching forestry. All right, and I had seventh graders come in and I would just engage them in forestry and they would love it. I wasn't so good at food science. So I started asking myself, what is it about my teaching about forestry that makes me a good teacher in that classroom? And how can I just take the practices, not the content, but what I'm doing as a teacher and implement it um, within my food science class? What was amazing to me as I think back on it, because that was, what, eight years ago when I, was, when I was teaching those courses, is how much I've grown as an educator because I've had that opportunity ref to reflect and to also implement strategies like observing other teachers, working with mentor teachers, so that I can become better um, across the board of my teaching. And that rate of growth, I think as ag teachers, if we start to ask ourselves, what if I never stopped getting better as a teacher? What if I implemented strategies and reflections and, and a growth mindset so that for across my career as a teacher, I just kept getting better? Um, we'd have a, a plethora of really, really great teachers who were ready and willing to support our younger teachers who may be struggling as well. Um, but the take-home message that I, that I make sure to share with everybody is stay in uh, the profession so we can build those skills um, through practice. So, Aaron, it sounds like exactly what I've thought about teaching for a while is that it's an art. And if teachers can think about it as a practice that they're constantly um, molding their craft, right? They're constantly perfecting their, the, their craft. So it sounds like that's a lot what uh, self-efficacy has to do with. Exactly. Yep, and it's recognizing we're always going to get better, and we're not going to be perfect the first time. We need to continue practicing and implementing those strategies so we can get better. So, Aaron, we talked, we talked a lot here about a variety of strategies that they can do. Um, if I'm that, that new teacher or maybe even a veteran teacher that I don't feel real confident about a specific topic, I mean, I go back, we've all had our war stories. Mine was small engines. I could teach, I love teaching welding, electricity, carpentry, that kind of stuff, but small engine was my Achilles heel, and, and lucky for me, one of my first student teachers I, I was a co-op teacher for was great at small engines. And so I basically, I was supervising him while I was taking the class with him, learning and learning that kind of stuff with him. And so those kind of different steps you have, I got lucky that way. What would you recommend as that very first step that somebody that wants to build their confidence in a particular area, what would, what would you say that first thing they should do to help boost that self-efficacy? Well, what we know is that um, one of the, key mar the keystones of self-efficacy is the importance of other people. And so what my recommendation for teachers who are struggling is, if at all possible, get a sub for a day and go and observe the teacher who you really, really admire in your state who's doing a really great job at that. Or ask them to video record one of their lessons teaching that and send it to you so you can dissect and look and see how they're effectively teaching small engines or whatever it may be. The other important thing is to get a mentor, especially for our younger teachers, but even for our really experienced teachers. Get somebody on the phone who, who you admire and trust in that area and ask them, what is it? Here's what I'm doing. Um, how can I get better in that area? Because they're going to offer you something that self-efficacy call, self calls um, uh, social, social persuasion, which is essentially just somebody telling you, hey, you know how to do this. You've got the skills. You can put this into practice. Um, it's amazing how much that, uh, that other person telling you, hey, you can do this, um, will support your, your growth and development in that area. You know, I think that's so great, you know, Aaron, that idea that we're really in this thing together. And I think that's the important part here as ag teachers. We have this special bond, and we've got to make sure that we're supporting each other. You know, I go back and think about 
the the ag teachers that my ag teacher back when I was in high school, I always saw him with, and they were sharing ideas and supporting each other. And we got to make sure that we're doing that, that we don't let things like FFA competitions and all that kind of stuff get in the way, because uh, we we really have to support each other. I really liked your idea there uh, that you know to focus on what was working well. I think too often we go back, like in your case, we would focus on those one or four lessons that didn't go so well rather than let's let's go back and look at this really went well why did it go really well and trying to replicate that I think that's really important for us to do and at the end of the day as ag teachers we think we're superhuman but we're not we're, we're just we're, we're mere mortals like everybody else and giving ourselves permission to fail from time to time and picking up the pieces and um, you know go back going back a thousand years ago now to my high school ag teacher the days that his lessons i can still remember now that didn't go so well because this guy was a superhero was a legend in the area he was my dad's ag teacher still remember the days that things didn't go well for him and how he just picked it up and said hey let's let's move on and, and keep this thing going and i think that's that's the thing that we've got to go through um and i know we're recording this now while you're out doing a teacher professional development all of us are going to be on the road doing that shortly so being engaged and using those times to build our knowledge as well as building those social networks so that we have mm -hmm. ways to call and to text each other. So this is all fantastic stuff, Aaron. We really appreciate you being with us today on Owl Pellets. Any, any final thoughts for us? Well, you, you mentioned something I think is it goes back to some of the past literature in, in self-efficacy, and it's that idea of what they call collective um, teacher efficacy. But it's that idea that we're all in this together. And I think as ag teachers, if we realize that we have a shared vision and mission to educate the public about agriculture, to empower, empower them to make informed decisions about agriculture and to solve problems in agriculture, we're all in that together. We all have that shared vision and mission. And if we can help each other in that shared goal, um, we're all going to be better teachers. And luckily enough, the research says it also improves our individual self-advocacy when we think that way. So I appreciate you adding that, adding that point. All right. Well, Aaron McCam, uh, we thank you so much for being with us today on Owl Pellets. This has been another great conversation. So thanks a lot, and we look forward to all the conversation that we're going to have through social media, on the website, and those sort of things as well. So thanks a lot, Aaron. All right, thank you. Hello, Owl Pellet family. This is Marshall Baker at Oklahoma State University. I'm going to take just a short minute to share with you a little bit about our Department of Agricultural Education, Communications, and Leadership at Oklahoma State. The Department of Agricultural Education, Communications, and Leadership develops students into well-rounded agricultural professionals. Whether they want to pursue a career as an agricultural education teacher, which we would love, magazine editor, public relations specialist, sales and marketing associate, extension educator, no matter what that job is, our department can help students achieve their goals. Our faculty and staff work closely with students inside and outside of the classroom to create a family atmosphere and help students feel that this is a place they can call home. Our department offers advisors that are also faculty members. They spend unique one-on-one -on -one time advising each student. We teach courses and we're involved professionally in the areas that the students are studying. These faculty advisors, I being one of them, assist in planning individual programs for every student that walks through our door. We pride ourselves in our open door policy. We love to invite students to stop by our office, talk about their life, talk about the decision to teach ag, and their academic pursuits here at OSU. 
You know, it doesn't hurt that Oklahoma State's also nestled in a wonderful town, Stillwater, Oklahoma. We find it very easy to continue to stay strong and stay rooted in agriculture, one of the primary industries in our state. If students are looking for an experience in an undergraduate program, we hope you would consider Oklahoma State University for that option. You can look at our department by going to www.aged.okstate.edu. We'd love to have you on campus. Please contact any of us and we can make that happen. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast and go Pokes! I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets. Tips for Ag Teachers.